here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 105.6 FM in Palaborwa. The first book about the SABC8 was launched in Johannesburg this week, authored by Futa Kircher. The book details a battle for the very soul of the public broadcaster. And recently retired, Futa Kircher was the executive producer of News on Afrikaans Language Station, Aris Kher. And uh, I have the uh, honor of having him here in studio today to talk about his rich um, you know, journey as a journalist, 37 years, Futa, mm. and also to detail this um, turning point in the history of this beautiful organization of ours, the, um, the SABC. So we'll be talking about that book now. And uh, Futa, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Nomsa. And it's good to be back. <laughs> so it's been a week since you've been on retirement. <laughs> I remember last week, Friday, we you just still had wanted a, my, my uh, office. Eh? I still want your office. If I can just get those office keys, please. I've been asking around the entire week. <laughs> Futa, 37 years as a journalist, so many years spent at the SABC as well. Why did you write the book? Nomsa, uh, <clears throat> after... The whole saga of the SABC 8 uh, was sort of over, uh, and our colleague Suna Fenter died. I was trying to make sense of what happened. And you know, during uh, those times in, in uh, the dark days of 2016, with Clary uh, Motwaneng still here hovering in the passages uh, uh, with all his instructions and, uh, and so on, I um, I realized I was going through timelines. I was going through WhatsApp messages. Uh, we had a WhatsApp group, the SABC 8. Uh, I had a lot of newspaper clippings. Uh, there were a lot of photos. And, and while working through that, I realized there's a story to be told. And um, I think that's actually what happened. Um, uh, in a sense, I was busy with my own therapy, mm. trying to make sense of what happened. Uh, the whole saga put my, uh, me and my family through tremendous mm. stress. Mm. Uh, our office, the whole SABC, you remember those days yes. when, uh, when we were whispering in the passages and the smoking rooms and mm. glanced all around for hidden microphones mm. and so on. And uh, I think that's how the book developed. And, uh, and it's uh, actually a chronological mm-hmm. sort of a story. A lot of newspaper uh, clippings, uh, a lot of WhatsApp conversations between me and my fellow rebels at that stage, uh, just to put a more human face to it. But essentially it was a battle in courts and, uh, and on paper, in the streets with, with protests, marches and so on. And uh, what I tried to do was to uh, to put a comprehensive piece together mm-hmm. for everyone, anyone to can read and follow the story, how it developed, the rise and fall of Flaudio Motsuaneng and the opening up of, of the SABC the newsroom. Yeah. So um, you and I used to attend these line talk meetings together and uh, that particular one I missed. Mm-hmm. And we it, it's always a platform where we... we um, Review what the work that we've um, we're going to do, and just uh, just plan ahead as well. And there are always also robust discussions. And that day there was a discussion about this particular um, decision that was made by Claudi Mutsuaneng. Tell us about that meeting. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I still remember that morning uh, very vividly. Uh, I know I was sitting on my uh, outside of the that round table. Yes. Uh, next to me was Suna Fenter. She was a, a editor for the next program. On the other side was uh, Tandeka Kubule, who just came back from a uh, from a family uh, funeral, and uh, I was actually not paying a lot of attention at that stage. Uh, I was uh, going through my Twitter feed and uh, looking for for uh, possible stories for, for our next programs when suddenly I heard the commotion on the other side of the, of the, of the table mm-hmm. and uh, I asked you know, what's happening there and he, she said now uh, the head of news uh, Simon Tebele at that stage just removed three, uh, three stories from, from the diary. Sure. And uh, Tandeka was, of course, furious and, uh, furious, and she said, yeah, but listen, um, uh, if this, uh, this decision will end up in court, I want to, to note my uh, unhappiness with about this, this. Uh, about this. And, of course, I chipped in and Suna chipped in, and uh, that was it. I thought it was just another line talk with another discussion and mm-hmm. so on. And, of course, three days later, we were suspended, and that's where, where our whole battle started. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that decision was with regard to not showing footage of protests on mm-hmm. TV. And as a public broadcaster, I mean, our respons- we have a great responsibility in, in showing people the truth and what was happening on the ground. Mm-hmm. So it seems like there was manipulation from politicians as well because it was a time leading to the municipal elections yeah. as well yeah. um i lo- know you as a loner but also when you raise your issues you raise them uh, with such authority as well before that time did you consider yourself an activist not really uh, i think my days of activism stopped when i was 17 years old or 18 years old when i uh, left the army and i realized there's something serious wrong in this country mm-hmm. um I rejected all everything that that uh, I was taught when I was younger, and um, I started a long and slow process of of uh, uh, what would you call it a uh, uh, real uh, sort of trying to find out what what is right and what is mm-hmm. wrong because you know during apartheid days um, uh, we the knowledge and 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 the information. Uh, were so suppressed mm. that uh, that I only realized when I got out of school that I'm actually very stupid. I do, do not know what's Much. happening in my own country. It was only when I start, started to travel and visit other countries where I was confronted with, a, with a, uh, ideas of apartheid mm. that, uh, that I realized that uh, uh, I was brought up in such a suppressed society and I think that's one one of the reasons why I acted in such a way I realized that the same thing is going to happen if we start trying to uh, keep information away from people mm-hmm. if if we decide as a broadcaster or as a, a, a politician what people can see and Sensor. can uh, yeah mm-hmm. of course mm-hmm. yeah yeah and obviously um, that you say in your book that you had reached a point of no return. Mm-hmm. Um, you were only left with one choice, but to say no to this and and to put a stop to it. But it was also a tumultuous time for you. Mm-hmm. Take us through the events that followed. 
Uh, well, uh, of course, after uh, me, Tandekan uh, uh, Suna mm. uh, was suspended, then uh, I started, uh, I remember walking away from this office, I met Suna at, uh, at Chai Chai, our drinking hall in, mm. in Melville, and we sat there and we didn't know what to do. And that night when I got home, uh, me and my daughter was also, also uh, she was a, also a journalist. She was working at a, a Herald in yes. PA, that state, but she were here that, uh, she was here at that stage. And uh, we sat on my bed and I took out uh, a roll of duct tape uh, from my uh, mm. photography bag and I cut it and I put a cross over my, mm. uh, uh, across my um, mouth. And then um, I took a, a, a a picture and I posted it on Facebook and that is how my sort of uh, that is the only way you know that if you work for the SABC yes. you cannot speak to the media mm. you cannot do anything you mm. cannot defend yourself you can do nothing and uh, and from there it it took to f a social media the newspaper started to mm. report on that um, of course Tandeka is also a very prominent and senior uh, journalist in in the uh, in the SABC, so the people started to take notice, and from there, I think the newspapers and the NGOs took over, and they just ran with the story, and and there was so much support and and backing from from our mm -hmm. fellow colleagues there out, uh, and and who also were worried about what what was happening at the public broadcaster. Mm. So after the break, I want us to talk about how the SABC aid came about because, um, I mean, already you've mentioned yourself uh, and Suna and Tandega. So we'll also talk about how the likes of William Voko and Lucano Galata also came to the party to join what we know now as the SABC aid after the break. Hashtag SAFM Life Happens. And this is Life Happens with Nom Samzuli. I'm joined in studio by my former colleague, Futa Grige, a veteran journalist as well, who was part of the SABC 8. And he's just released his book titled The SABC 8, where he details some of the things that they had to go through and what they exactly they were fighting for at that time. And it was really a turning point in our organization. As somebody who works in the newsroom, um, I know those moments I can recall those moments how we came every Thursday and we wore black in solidarity with our colleagues so at the time it's you it's Tandega and it's it's Suna but others then came on board and and they added their voice against this resistance against um, against the censorship basically yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I think first was uh, uh, Krivani and Jock uh, Stenkamp mm. <coughs> and uh, 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 Busi and uh, Tuli mm -hmm. and they wrote a letter, an open letter mm -hmm. to the SABC, to management uh, with a lot of uh, uh, points that they uh, also in support of us. I know that at that stage uh, Slaudi decided to take editors, the SAFM uh, program off air mm -hmm. and they were very unhappy about it. And so they wrote a letter, that letter ended up in the newspapers, and although they were not suspended, they were um, informed that they were going to be, uh, there will be uh, a disciplinary hearing. Mm -hmm. At the same time, uh, Lucanio, who was um, 
uh, in Cape Town, part of our parliamentary team, mm. he, I think it was a, 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 the, the anniversary of his father's death, Fort yes, Kalata. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Lukanyu was brought up in, in that environment, as a, in an activist environment, and he wrote a letter uh, actually explaining that uh, that he's very unhappy with, with Jimmy Matthews. Mm. And he, uh, so um, that letter was published in, in the newspapers all over. Mm. And shortly after, Vuyu Mvoku did the it same. And then we were eight, eight mm. of us. Uh, Vuyu was at that stage, he was not a permanent member. So mm. his road and his journey took a, 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 a slightly different mm-hmm. different way. Because uh, after the court cases, uh, we uh, I'll tell you now about that, he was never reinstated because he never had a permanent uh, uh, contract. contract yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but the others, uh, we were all after about three or four weeks uh, were reinstated at the SABC. Yeah. So this is gaining media attention and the country is also starting to notice. And obviously, a court ac- action is, is taken and uh, to, to challenge your, your suspensions. And, um, and at some point, you, Krivani, and Suna are represented by solidarity. Yeah. 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 And, and so even though you were fighting for a common cause, uh, somehow the racial line was drawn, um, threatening that cause. Uh, tell us about that experience. Yeah, uh, uh, you must remember that uh, I never belonged to a, a, a trade union. Yes. Um, in uh, 2014, uh, just before another uh, uh, election, mm. uh, we were informed that we couldn't uh, broadcast any news of the EFF. And uh, I was called in. I uh, refused to to go along with that. And I said that. And I was called up to Jimmy Matthews' office. And then I realized, Futa, <laughs> you must do something. And at that stage, Solidarity was there. And I thought, well, they're a good union, in, uh, especially with in court. They, they do a lot of research. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they give you a lot of backing. And I joined at that stage. Mm-hmm. So when the, all this happened, uh, I took Suna with with to solidarity, and um, uh, in, initially, I think uh, Krivani and, and uh, Jacques was at that stage. Uh, with, at that stage, still at, at Bamao, or I'm not sure what their situation was. But what solidarity did was they realized that if we get suspended or dismissed, it will end up in the CCMA. Mm-hmm. Now we know that if your case ends up in the CCMA. CCMA, it will take years, sometimes a, a month and sometimes two years. Mm-hmm. Some of our colleagues sat at home for two years before they were reinstated. And Solidarity uh, had two senior counselors, some lawyers all around the table, and they were trying to, to figure out what to do to circumvent the CCMA and get to the, to the Labor Court. Um, and I remember one night, uh, one late night, just before our uh, disciplinary hearing, we went to see a, a, a very prominent uh, lawyer, uh, uh, also a former uh, a judge or acting judge in the labor court, and he gave us advice. Mm. And he said, listen, you must do this and that and that. In order to circumvent the CCMA, we had to file a direct application to the Concord. Very complicated story, but in the end, because we filed 
at the at the uh, constitutional court, we could go directly to the uh, to the labor court and circumvent the CCMA. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, solidarity did an excellent job. Um, uh, later, when we decided to take the constitutional route, um, they stepped uh, uh, aside, and we uh, got a. Uh, some uh, Stephen Butler and mm. Aslam Mosaji in to represent the eight of us, but yes, uh, what happened at that stage? There was some friction also within our group yes. because of of uh, s- the solidarity involvement, which I can understand from people, uh, from the people, especially the, our black colleagues. Mm. You know, it's uh, solidarity is being pro- portrayed in it's, in the media as a as a pro white thing, but I think what happened was that the politicians and also the SABC he saw that as as uh, as a way to drive a wedge in between mm. the SABC aid. Okay, so what uh, starts as a labor dispute um, comes into something now that threatens your life and your the, the lives of those your colleagues as well. Mm. And at some point, you guys um, received death threats. Mm. I remember, you know, Tandega detailing how she got chased on a highway as well and 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 sooner as well who went uh, through such tremendous trauma mm. were you afraid um not afraid actually um, i was more uh, it was a, a bit like a stockholm syndrome where where you where you have a relationship with someone you, that you don't know, someone that keeps you captive. You look at your cell phone waiting for the next uh, death threat. Uh, Suna was the one who was targeted most. Uh, we didn't know why. In my book, I tried to 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 show the course of events and uh, what happened and when we received the threats. Mm-hmm. I remember one of the first ones was just after the 23rd of August when the Parliamentary Portfolio Committee sat and where the it was just after the elections mm. uh, we were back at work and Flowery and uh, James Aguma and everyone was sitting there and telling the uh, telling Parliament that there's actually nothing wrong not mm. with the finances uh, there were yes there were eight some uh, some eight uh, sort of very uh, um, naughty journalists that uh, mm. that <laughs> tried to uh, stop transformation yeah. in the SABC and um, that they have, uh, there's nothing to be worried about uh, at the SABC. Mm. And it was directly after that that we start receiving our first our first threats. Okay, and I I am actually <laughs> caught between two questions, but I think this one because we're running out of time. Mm. You've dedicated a, a, a chapter to Suna mm. Suna Fenta who passed away in 2017 at the age of of 32. Yeah. How would you describe this tiny woman who was so brave mm. in my eyes? Yeah. Um, I think what I, uh, what I try to do is, uh, you know, after death, I realized there were a lot of questions. Mm. There were also a lot of rumors going out, uh, around in, in the SABC, in the newsroom, and also outside. Um, and I explained that very specifically in the book and what I try to do is to connect the dots mm. and uh, in that specific chapter I, I used a lot of things that she wrote while she was in, in Syria while she was in, um, in Gaza mm. and uh, while she uh, she was very 
involved in in the Middle East conflict. Uh, conflict, yeah, yeah. And um, I tried to use letters and emails that she wrote from there in order to explain her passion mm. for <clears throat> for what was happening in the Middle East and also the children. She was very very uh, worried uh, about the children there. So, um, yeah, I think in that. Uh, chapter I tried to give a human face to her mm -hmm. and also to her struggles in the fights uh, within the newsroom. And finally, Futa, I mean, you've described Saudi as an illiterate narcissist in the book. Mm -hmm. And um, you, those were very tough times. Do you think management could have dealt with this differently? And if so, how? Uh, the question about Claudia Motsoninga is, you know, there's a, a, not a lot of information available mm. uh, from him. So what I did, I, I used, uh, I, I know that Media24 did an investiga uh, investigative piece in 2016 trying to, to search his background and uh, his roots. And then uh, Tui Madonsela in a, a 2014 report also used a lot of stuff. Uh, so, but I used a lot of his own words. You know, he was always rambling on, mm. using rediffusion. Rediff mm. uh, he, he liked to speak at, uh, at uh, news conferences. Mm. And I used a lot of his own words mm. in order to, to, uh, to, pack to portray him. Yeah, yeah, portray yeah. him. Mm. But, but I think the question is, how did he get there? Yes. And I think if you read the book mm. and, you, and you go through the steps, you will realize he should never have been at the SABC the in, the big, in the first place. Uh, and the moment he was, uh, it, there's a lot of similarities between the state capture and the capture of the SABC. Slade Motsuneng was, was brought in over a couple of years to to sit in the most powerful position in the SABC mm. and from there. So he was actually management. Mm. And I think there were a lot of people within management that was not happy with him, but I don't think there was a, 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 lot, a, lot, a lot they do. could do at that stage. Yeah. Yeah. As a, some, a journalist who's retired after spending so many years, how would you describe the, the state of journalism in our country? Um... Yeah, that's a difficult question. I don't want to anger my, my colleagues, but I think, uh, <clears throat> especially in the newspapers, there's a lot of uh, 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 cut-and-paste journalism. Mm -hmm. Of course, we've got some excellent investigating journalism, and we know uh, that the, the, the Zondo Commission mm -hmm. at the moment, a lot of the stuff there comes from journalists. I think in the SABC, we're heading in the right direction. I think Patiswe Mahopene is doing an excellent job of keeping the, the wolves away from the newsroom and uh, yeah I, uh, I think there's a bright future for us in, in journalism now author and former colleague as well here at the SABC his book is available at bookshops I believe so uh, go get yourself a copy that's the SABC 8 thank you so much for joining us alright it's time for the radio workshop